0: This is
1: Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC, 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. Be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website and join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. There's lots in store when you're part of the travel club. That's speakingoftravel.net. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by the Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to and from the world. And you know what? When you fly home, you're home. com. Appalachian Realty. Thinking of changing your scene from a farmhouse to a neighborhood? Visit AppalachianRealty.com. And by Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park. That is home to one of the most iconic landmarks in western North Carolina. And by Private Italy Tours. You know you want to go. Italy. 2019 tours are available now. Private-Italy.com. And you know what? Speaking of travel is growing like crazy. And this show and all past podcasts can be downloaded on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and on bussprout.com. So I have to say... Say, I love bees and our lives and the whole world actually would be a much different place if bees didn't exist. We now know through studies being done around the globe that shows that honeybees are the world's most important single species of pollinator in natural ecosystems and a key contributor to natural ecosystem functions. I think we would all be lost without the bee, right? <laughs> well, today, the Speaking of Travel Climate Listening Project series continues with my guest, Dana Ruggiero of the Climate Listening Project, and her special guest, Carl Chesick of the Center for Honeybee Research, and Phyllis Stiles of Bee City USA, and I think it's time to make a beeline into this conversation. (laughs) Welcome, you guys.
2: Thank you, Dana, for being here. Thank you so much. I love our series. And I think that bees are everywhere. Phyllis has taught me that there are so many different kinds of bees across the United States and around the world. And so it's something that we should be thinking about in our travel. It's something that is exciting to me as far as the, the Bee City USA program and all of these places taking action to protect the bees. And then also Carl with the Center for Honeybee Research, you know, and this upcoming event, the the World's International um, Black Jar Honey Contest. And so all of these beekeepers from around the world submitting their honeys for a chance to win. Last year's People's Choice winner was from Italy. It's just a lot of cool things going on with bees around the world. And so I'm really excited to be talking about that. Yes. (laughs) My goodness. So, okay. First of all, I
1: have to say, you know, traveling and the ecosystem, people, I think it's time to tap into recognizing that when you do travel, there's so much in that environment everywhere you go. And the bee is such an essential part of that globally and carl i'm going to have you start if you don't mind first of all just welcome to the show it's so nice to meet you
3: well thank you for having me
1: you bet and i i would love if you would tell us a little bit about this center for honeybee research
3: well the uh, center is a nonprofit that we've established it's uh, based in Asheville, north carolina and the purpose is uh, you may have heard that we were having a hard time keeping bees alive Uh, last 10 years has been getting worse so the center is established to kind of help find out what it is that's killing the bees
1: so phyllis why don't you tell us a little bit about how bee city usa came to be (laughs) thank you Meryl. i think that's going to happen a lot in this show Uh, Actually,
4: Carl was an inspiration to us back when I became a beekeeper right after uh, we started hearing about colony collapse disorder with the honeybees. And so from that introduction, uh, I started learning about a lot of other pollinators, the 20,000 species of different kinds of bees around the world. uh, Just in the United States alone, 3,600 species of bees that are not honeybees. Uh, We're happy beneficiaries of the honeybee in America. Uh, They came to us from Europe in the 1600s. So the colonists brought little colonists with them. Uh, So Bee City USA started because we were watching the perilous decline of uh, bees and other pollinators around the world. And we looked around and tried to determine what could we do that was not already being done. So we came up with the concept of Bee City USA, and Asheville, North Carolina,
1: was the very first one back in 2012. That is so exciting. It just gives me goosebumps. And I have to say, you know, I've been keeping up with the B situation over the years because there's been a lot of media, although maybe not enough, which is why it's so important that we continue this dialogue and ensure that people are tuned in and tapped into what's going on. But it's really kind of sad. I mean, how how can we change this?
2: Well, it is it is sad. And, you know, I definitely have been reading different articles about how climate change is impacting different species of pollinators. And, you know, one thing that can help with that is planting different native species, pollinator friendly plants in your backyard. Um, and so as things are blooming earlier, blooming later, you know, we want to provide as much as we can, uh, you know, a nice area for these bees and pollinators. And so You know, I love what the Renaissance Hotel is doing. I actually met Phyllis while I was working with Chimney Rock State Park on the colony collapse disorder and transitioning away from, you know, pesticides there. And I think also met Carl through the Renaissance Hotel, they actually put bees up on the roof and they tore up all their landscaping and put in pollinator-friendly plants and, you know, all of this milkweed, even for the butterflies, and um, they have, you know, this sort of natural environment around Asheville with all of these different tulip poplars and different kinds of trees that the honeybees on the roof like to go to. But we also are supporting the local bees and pollinators by planting and not using pesticides around Asheville.
1: Well, let's talk about the Renaissance Hotel for just a minute, because this is where the International Black Jar Honey contest is being held. Is that true?
2: Yes, Carl has the Center for Honeybee Research right here in Asheville, North Carolina. And so this is the seventh annual event. Um, honeys are sent here from around the world. Carl can talk a little bit about some specific categories. Um, all of this honey has different flavors, and it also depends on what's growing in that area around the world. And so um, there's all of these different categories. Carl, what are some of those categories of honey that, that people will be able to taste on June 5th at the Renaissance Hotel.
3: Okay. Well, what most people don't know is that honey is a result of the nectar from the flowers the bees visit. So every region, even close together, will have different tasting honey. Um, And people are used to the blended things they get in the grocery store. So we're trying to draw attention to uh, the fact that honey is unique in each place of the world. So among the more interesting categories, you mentioned last year Italy was our People's Choice winner that's where people who come to the cocktail reception get a vote they get to taste the honeys and they say well this is what i like the best and so the the favorite honey was from uh, puglia italy last year and it was a coriander flower
5: mm, uh,
6: that
3: just so honeys good. can be you know if if a particular plant is in enough abundance in an area you can actually have a monofloral honey like coriander uh, if if the beekeeper allows the bees to go through the entire season, then they have what we call wildflower. It's a mix of all the flowering plants within three miles of the colonies.
1: Wow. That sounds so yummy. I'm <laughs> telling you what. And that's what's so wonderful about traveling is that you can be in these other countries mm-hmm. and actually taste these different tastes, these yeah. different even honeys. Well, honey, I am so excited <laughs> that you're here in the studio Happy today. To and we will be right back. <laughs>
0: With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport, take the easy way out.
6: Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park's annual pass holders can look forward to endless adventures. The outcroppings trail to the park's iconic chimney is the ultimate stairmaster. Hike with your kids to Hickory Nut Falls, one of the tallest waterfalls east of the Mississippi, or take the new skyline trail to the top of the mountain. Pass holders are treated to exclusive events as well as special deals at the park and area attractions. Upgrade your day ticket to an annual pass during your visit.
1: Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call
7: Asheville home since 1979. The gravel crunches under your shoes. Steam rises from a cup of fresh Italian café. The light, cool morning air lightly brushes your face. Your villa stands close by. This and so much more awaits you as one of the few lucky travelers to join Private Italy Tours during one of their unique and intimate small group tours. Come home again to Italy with Private Italy Tours. 2019 dates are now available. Visit private-italy.com. Private Italy Tours is a proud sponsor of Speaking of Travel.
0: Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip.
5: Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on... I
1: am so excited to have here in the studio these experts on bees, because bees are so important to everything that we do, and especially knowing more about bees as we travel uh, is going to awaken our sights and our smells and our tastes, what um, Carl Carl? Tell us a little bit more about um, these flavors of honey. I just, at the break, I was just sitting here thinking about how wonderful that honey must be from Italy. Tell us a little bit more about how this all kind of happens with the bees.
3: Well, the different plant, I mean, bees don't make honey per se. They collect the nectar from the flowers, and then they add enzymes to it, and it it cures into a finished honey. So depending on the source, you've got a wide range of tastes. So you have a you have light – it's kind of like wine. Uh, you have your white wines and your dark reds. And uh, our, our interest in the contest is that people's palates are all over the place. Um, we had some chef judges, and they made the metaphor of uh, cilantro in their dishes. You either love cilantro or you hate it. You're not indifferent to it. You know, most people – It would be great if you left it out. Others would say if you'd only put more in. And honey is kind of like that. So we see quite a range. That's why we always have at least five judges. Uh, And it's a blind tasting, so they don't get to look at the honey and have a prejudice based on how dark or light it is or the look of it in any way. They're just having to make a judgment based on what they taste.
1: And they look and taste different, not as you were saying, I know when i 've seen honey displayed it 's always like there's like you were saying, like wine, some is light, some is red you know darker
3: yeah we it's a blind tasting because I think it's really fascinating. We just had the semis a little while back, and um, the difference in the colors is really amazing, but when you let judges look at the honey they have prejudice about what a good honey should look like and what it tastes like. And if they get to see how dark or light it is, it affects their judgment. And we're trying to take that element out of the selection.
1: And Carl, tell us a little bit more about the honeybee, uh, the Center for Honeybee Research. Um, how long has that been going on?
3: Well, we got our designation from IRS in 2011. We had sort of been doing some things for years before that, bringing... Uh, experts in from all over the country to talk to us about it and um, our focus is mostly on honeybees not because the other pollinators aren't important but because our agriculture has changed to the point where uh, most of our crops are reliant on honeybee colonies being trucked in because They're food deserts. Otherwise, there's so much pesticide being applied to the crops and so much herbicide that there's nothing else for a pollinator to eat in those agricultural areas. So they literally have to bring semi-loads of complete colonies in during the bloom and then get them out of there. As soon as they finish pollinating,
2: some of the examples are the almonds in California, apples up in the Northeast, um, cherries, cherries, melons. Blueberries. So, so many bees come into that area and then go to other areas. They're, they are working bees. Um, so honey is definitely one amazing product that we all enjoy. And the honeybee is a bee that is very important to the way that our current agriculture system is. But, like we talked about on another recent part of our series with the agriculture um, expert that talked about more regional, more local, sustainable agriculture that is pollinator-friendly. I've visited farms that have insectaries and, you know, not spraying so much, uh, man, would really ha- help our bees. Because we also rely on bees, not just for those big, huge crops. Um, but, you know, Phyllis has taught me about about how in my backyard when I'm growing my garden there's a specific squash bee that comes there's a there's a literal blueberry bee and then of course the bumblebee that pollinates so many of our local gardens so not spraying um, on your backyard also can help the bees um, stay away from the roundup stay away from the pesticides um, you know at tourist destinations At your backyards, in your homes, um, and then if we can sort of move away from that conventional agriculture, we could really, we could really, really help the honeybee, and so many other kinds of bees. And Phyllis, is there a a website for Bee City USA? Sure,
4: Marilyn. It's beecityusa.org, and we try to put lots of resources on there. And we have a a list of all the current um, affiliates, which are cities across the country and uh, campuses, uh, institutions of higher education across the country who have made commitments to making their location locations models for bee friendly pollinator friendly habitat
1: Well, we certainly want to support all of those. What are
4: some of those cities? Well, um, like I said before, we started in Asheville, but then we jumped over to Seattle and San Francisco pretty quickly, Atlanta, Georgia. um, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, is one of our B cities. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then we have teeny tiny uh, cities like Lookout Mountain, Tennessee, with, you know, fewer than 1,000 people. So it doesn't matter your size, you can have a huge impact on reversing pollinator decline. That is so important.
3: Don't you also have a a thing for the campuses, for the universities that are cooperating with them,
4: Yeah, that. yeah. We've got lots of universities. We're up to 45 universities wow, now. Congratulations. And that program just started in uh, 2015. And uh, we have research universities and uh, community colleges and religiously affiliated campuses. Uh, there again, lots of diversity all across the country, everywhere from Georgia Tech over to Gonzaga University
1: University in Spokane, Washington. This is a movement. There's a movement afoot, and I love it. I feel like, you know, we need to raise our hand and our
2: fist high and say, you know, save the bee. We just had World Bee Day, um, and then, of course, on the June 5th um, International Black Jar Honey Contest Day, it's the International Day of Discovery for the Renaissance Hotels, Um And also Phyllis has Pollinator Week that is a big national event that she's participating in.
4: Right, Dana. Um, we we require that every bee campus and every bee city have an annual awareness event, at least one. Of course, they do many, many more than that. And we encourage them to uh, recognize National Pollinator Week, which is always the third week in June. And many of them do. Many of them choose other periods during the year that suit their calendars better. But so if you visit any of our city and campus websites, you may find that they are doing. Doing something during National Pollinator Week. Certainly we have pollination celebration in Asheville and in nearby Hendersonville. But this is going on all across the country. And if you go to the Pollinator Partnerships website, you can find an events calendar for National Pollinator Week events all across the country. It just sounds so
1: positive.
2: It's so good. And it's you know what I love when you know when I've been up on the roof with the Renaissance Hotel in Asheville with their bees, and you're kind of looking all out. Around Asheville, we made a video um, that we actually followed one of the Renaissance bees around Asheville in this video. And it goes, you know, to different restaurants that actually have honey in some of their entrees or in their drinks, a brewery that uses honey in the beer, um, other little shops that are selling different products, um, farmers markets that that have, you know, products that rely on these different bees. Um, And so, you know, when you kind of look out, from the Renaissance and you see the the forests and the mountains on one side where the bees are pollinating and then in Ashland, this hub of places that, you know, serve products in this economy that, you know, is is just so intertwined with these bees that we don't they're so tiny, we don't always think about them but they're so important. They are and Carl, is there a website for the research
1: center?
3: Uh, Yes, there is. There's honeybeeresearch.org and, um, just to say with the Renaissance, we're very grateful that the Renaissance is, uh, hosting our cocktail reception on June 5th. Uh, that's where we're going to have the live judging of the finals for the seventh annual contest, and it's kind of cool because we've now moved the bees to the lower roof where everyone in the hotel can look out their window down on the bees. Uh, they can actually see them now, so that's that's really
1: cool. Well, I can tell you, I am going to be there. <laughs>
0: Visit Chimney Rock State Park once and you'll want to come back for more. Get an annual pass for unlimited visits to the park for a year, exclusive events and special deals at the park shops and restaurants, and more. Become an annual pass holder at ChimneyRockPark.com.
8: Hi, this is Tina Kinsey and I'm with Asheville Regional Airport and I have a travel tip for you today. Are you planning that trip of a lifetime, a big, wonderful adventure? It's really fun to have one on the calendar, so you can look forward to that big day when you board your flight. But these trips are usually pretty expensive. You spend significant dollars on your airline tickets, lodging, other transportation, and excursions. Did you know that most airline tickets and other trip expenses may not be refundable? That's why you may want to consider trip insurance. Should you have to cancel your trip for pre-approved reasons, such as a medical issue, you can recoup some or all of your trip expenses, depending on your policy. You can purchase trip insurance from many insurance agencies you are not bound to purchase from the seller of your tickets, tour, or cruise, and the cost is usually a very small fraction of the cost of your trip
1: their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979.
6: Explore one of Western North Carolina's most iconic places at Chimney Rock State Park. Six hiking trails, and animal discovery den, rock climbing with instructors from Fox Mountain Guides, guided hikes, and more. Plan your adventure at ChimneyRockPark.com. Whether your trip to Italy
7: reminds you of days past, a honeymoon, or a long-ago backpacking trip, come home again to Italy with Private Italy Tours. Picture your own private villa or four-star hotel. Private guides who speak and understand the local culture and days planned for your ease and comfort. This and so much more awaits you during one of their unique and intimate small group tours. 2019 dates are now available. Visit private-italy.com. Private Italy Tours is a proud sponsor of Speaking of Travel.
5: Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter.
1: And now here's our good friend Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway. and today he's in Tallahassee, Florida. Hey Doc, I can't wait to hear about the capital city of the Sunshine State in Big Bend Country.
9: Maryland, I'm down here in Tallahassee Florida. This is the capital city of the Sunshine State. And they call this Big Bend country for good reason. Just take a look at the map sometime. And the Tallahassee area this near the Gulf of Mexico looks a lot like a giant elbow. And it kind of is. This is magnolia and azalea country. This area of Florida in the south resembles Louisiana and Mississippi far more than popular conceptions of Florida. But it's vintage Florida. And it is the state capital. And it is a vibrant place. We're beginning our journey here on the Spanish Trace. That was a trading route built over 500 years ago from St. Augustine over to New Orleans. It went smack dab through Tallahassee, and I'm standing on it right now. Uh, the only remnant of the Spanish Trace today is Mission St. Louis. That's a restored fort, Spanish mission, Appalachian Indian worship house and lodge uh, that was built by the Spaniards, along with the Appalachian Indians, and it has been fully restored by Florida and the National Park Service, and it's a joy to be here. You know what I found, Maryland, in the Monks' Barracks, their quarters, where they had a kitchen, I found a wine cellar. That's a dead giveaway that the first wines that came over from Europe to America came through the Spanish Trace. And I wish I could find a bottle of it right now. But isn't that wonderful that they brought all these gifts to us that we enjoy today? The Gulf of Mexico is just a few miles from here, 20 miles to be exact, as the crow flies. And one of my favorite places to dine is Spring Creek Restaurant. It's down in Crawfordville, which is a suburb, really, of Tallahassee. But it's in the wilds, and it's on the water. The Lovell family has had this wonderful institution up and running for generations. And it's my favorite place for Florida fried mullet for oysters, crab, any type of seafood you can think of, particularly fried shrimp. Tallahassee has some great restaurants as well now. I mean, really great. Cypress Restaurant is one that comes to mind. The Governor's Club is another one. Uh, There's French restaurants, Provincial around. That's just a great place to eat. If you like to spend a little bit of money and you want to invest in a good evening, I can't recommend it highly enough. One of the great benefits of being here in this great city is the fact that everything is connected to the outdoors. Tallahassee surrounded, Maryland, by national forest. It's a wonderful wildlife refuge, and you're never too far from great water. Come on down with me to the Wakulla Springs Lodge. Wakulla Springs Lodge was built by the DuPont family back in the 1930s. It's still here today. It's a luxurious place, and it's home to the largest and deepest freshwater springs on the planet. Maryland you don't remember the first Tarzan movie, and really neither do I. But I've seen it on Turner Classic Movies. And the original Tarzan movie starring the great Johnny Weissmuller and Moreno Sullivan was filmed right here. This wonderful area is luxurious, it's outdoors, it's clean, and it's really gourmet. This is what the gourmet highway is really all about. And standing here, I'm only a stone's throw from Ted Turner's wonderful Plantation of Avalon, which is just right up the road in nearby Monticello, Florida. There's so much history here. It's such a modern place. And before I forget, this is a great, great university center. Florida State University and Florida A&M University call Tallahassee home. And boy, does it show when you're walking around here on Capitol Square. You can see the colors, the pageantry year-round. Well, Maryland, I've about worn my welcome out here in lovely Tallahassee, and it's time for old Doc to move on. This is Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway for Maryland Ball, and speaking of travel, from Tallahassee, Florida saying goodbye, and I hope to see you real soon in your city.
1: Oysters and crabs and fried shrimp. Oh my! I am planning to get my feet on the Spanish trace and visit some of that vintage Florida. Can't wait to smell those lovely azaleas and magnolias. Thanks, Doc. We'll catch up with you next week on the Gourmet Highway. Well, I just want to say that we are so grateful for all our sponsors like Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park. That's Chimney Rock Here in my studio today is Dana Rogero, Phyllis Stiles, and Carl... Carl? Chessick. Chess Chessick. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I always am a little bit like, oh, am I saying the name right? But you guys are doing so much work around the bees, and that just really is... It's it's very heartwarming because we know how important it is to keep our environment and um, you know our lives safe and and productive. And I want to talk a little bit more about the bees and you know Dana. One thing I've loved about having this series is that we've got. A big broader picture now of travel and climate and climate change and the effects of what 's going on and how we can be more uh, sustainable travelers and and stewards of our of our earth. And I want to talk more about that as far as the
2: bees and the migration. How does that all kind of tie in? Yeah, well, we had, you know, the Audubon Society on recently, and we talked about my film, The Woodthrush Connection. You know, as part of the Climate Listening Project, we were able to follow the migration of that bird. And I would love to do that with something like the monarch butterfly. The monarch butterfly has been a in- big indicator species um, for climate change. And so, in the Woodthrush Connection film, you see people that talk about how, you know, it's about the life cycle of one specific bird, you know? And so, when that bird arrives in the United States, there needs to be the forest habitat that it relies on. There needs to be, along the entire migration path, everything that it needs for that one bird to survive and then you, you see that kind of go out into the bigger picture and so I think it's the same with you know anything that's a migratory species and so we definitely need to be thinking about having you know milkweed and also pollinator friendly plants as an easy solution to welcome you know any bees and pollinators in our yards um, from birds to butterflies to bees so let's talk a little about that butterfly,
4: mm-hmm. Phyllis. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about honeybees because they're kind of a, a poster pollinator. The other big poster pollinator is the monarch butterfly, and the reason for that um, is twofold. First, uh, they famously migrate to survive winter and to have species available to reproduce for the next year by traveling as much as 3,000 miles from Canada to remote... Uh, High Elevation Forest in Mexico. There's about 12 reserves down there. I've been to see them. And they say it's the only place that you can hear butterfly wings in the world. Because when a shaft of light hits those butterflies, they're all concentrated on these oyamel fir trees. Uh, They take flight so that they can go get a little water and then come back to the trees. All they're doing is just kind of laying low through the winter so that they can start up uh, their life cycle all over again come February. And so uh, you can hear their wings. It sounds like the pitter-patter of water in the forest uh, when you have a rainstorm, a soft rainstorm. Um, So the second reason uh, that the monarch butterfly is the poster pollinator uh, of our day is that uh, we've lost 90% of the population in the past two decades. Uh, And that's just not sustainable for the migration. We'll, We'll have monarch butterflies around the world in different places, but we won't have the monarch migration from Canada to Mexico
1: unless we get those numbers back up. Well, that is so important, and I want to talk more about that when we come back, and also I want to learn a little bit more about pollination because that's kind of a concept that... I
2: don't know that everybody knows exactly what that means. The birds and the bees. We will talk about that when we come back. All
1: right. You heard it straight from Dana Ruggiero. When we come back, we're talking about the birds and the bees.
7: The gravel crunches under your shoes. Steam rises from a cup of fresh Italian café. The light, cool morning air lightly brushes your face. Your villa stands close by. This and so much more awaits you as one of the few lucky travelers to join Private Italy Tours during one of their unique and intimate small group tours. Come home again to Italy with Private Italy Tours. 2019 dates are now available. Visit private-italy.com. Private Italy Tours is a proud sponsor of Speaking of Travel.
6: Chimney Rock at Chimney Rock State Park's annual pass holders can look forward to endless adventures. The Outcroppings Trail to the park's iconic chimney is the ultimate stairmaster. Hike with your kids to Hickory Nut Falls, one of the tallest waterfalls east of the Mississippi, or take the new Skyline Trail to the top of the mountain. Pass holders are treated to exclusive events as well as special deals at the park and area attractions. Upgrade your day ticket to an annual pass during your visit.
0: Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip.
1: Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates, are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979.
5: Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars let me see what spring is like on
1: We're back in the studio with you know my guest Dana Ruggiero. Dana's with the Climate Listening Project. Dana, I have so enjoyed this series that we've been having on climate change and learning so much about the environment and how we can be better stewards. And today we're actually talking a little deeper about the birds and the bees. Yes.
2: So why don't (laughs) you introduce again our guests here. So we have Phyllis Stiles of Bee City USA and Carl Chesick of the Center for Honeybee Research. And so we've been having our Speaking of Travel Climate Listening Project series, talking ecotourism, birding tourism, agritourism. And today we're talking a little bit about bees around the world. And we talked about the birds and the bees and how those are similar. Um, you know, when I worked on the Woodthrush Connection documentary, um, one thing that I was really impressed with was the audubon's bird and climate report and it has these maps that show kind of um, the areas where birds might be migrating to in the future because of a changing climate um, the areas that birds might need to rely on in the future and the the, the areas that we need to protect now and for the future. And so I think that also is something that really applies to the bees in that we need to um, be thinking not only about where they are now, what areas they rely on now, like Phyllis mentioned earlier with the monarch butterfly and the pollinators um, traveling down to Mexico, up to Canada. We've got to protect the full life cycle of that migratory path and areas along the way. Um, and so so with the honeybees, you know, here in the United States, having these areas of forests that they can, you know, like in Western North Carolina, be finding the tulip poplar and these different kinds of wildflowers that we all love to taste the honey from so much, you know. Um, and so not only the areas now where the bees are relying on, but also the areas that they might rely on in the future and what plants might need to be there for these bees in the future. And
1: Carl, if you wouldn't mind, would you talk to us because we've had the word pollination and pollinating and and obviously that's an important component of what's going on here. But would you talk to us just a little bit about what that means? Well, uh,
3: Mike, Before I got into bees, we had an organic farm. We don't use chemicals of any sort, and it didn't really uh, match up with me either. I mean, everyone knows about the birds and the bees, but I didn't realize the importance of pollination in any kind of crop. Uh, So pollination is basically the visit of insects that uh, take the pollen or the male parts to another flower with the female parts, and basically it's how plants reproduce. They need the help of the insects. Um, so having good pollinators ensures ins- good crops. My wife and I had uh, had trouble with our cucumbers for a number of years. This is before I started keeping bees. And a lot of the cucumbers were misshapen. They looked like I thought they had a virus or some sort of bacterial problem. They just weren't good-looking cucumbers. Then when we got honeybees, we had a banner crop of cucumbers, and they were perfectly formed, and excellent. So it was like two and two together. I found out that it's something like 11 pollinator visits to properly pollinate a cucumber. And if it isn't, you get a misshapen, improperly formed fruit. So pollination is essential for any sort of farming and crop.
1: Well, that's how we get our sustenance.
2: Yeah. So we need that. And it's, it's about these areas that we love to travel to as well. I mean, you know... When I think about places that I've been where I've seen just, you know, beautiful flowers, um, you know, we we need bees for the food that we love and for the natural areas that we love to look at as well. I mean, the the pollinators are, are so important um, and, and so we need to be thinking about how to protect them. The Center for Honeybee Research, um, you know, has a fun way of bringing awareness to that with this, you know, international black jar honey contest. And I love that because of, you know, the idea of all of these beekeepers sort of getting connected around the world to work on, you know, um, you know, this idea that that honey is important you know and when you are looking at the benefits of honey even um helping with local allergies or whatever you know carl talks about when you you know kind of buy that in the grocery store it's all mixed together and you might not be getting um, that local honey so definitely you know anywhere you live you can go to your local farmer's market and try to buy and support local small farmers um bees can also travel a uh, You know, some miles. And so not spraying Roundup, not spraying any, you know, big, large agriculture, monoculture crops that you see miles and miles and miles. Those are not good environments for bees, you know, so support support the bees by supporting, you know, small farms and sustainable agriculture, not using pesticides and planting native species in your in your Little backyard habitat,
1: and Phyllis, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more too about Bee City USA. And you know, it sounds as if you've been able to create—and I say congratulations—this vast collaborative uh, effort of cities and towns and universities and and uh, creating a community around. This important issue that is at hand, um, creating ambassadors, if you will, who are going out and saying, We support the B and the pollinators, and we want this to continue. Um, give us some ideas on what your future holds. What do you What do you see happening moving down the road?
4: <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> right now we have 112 affiliates uh, spread out across the U.S., and we helped to start B-City Canada um, in 2016. So it just continues to grow and grow. We're in 34 states so far, and uh, our goal is to get to all 50 states, and we're well on our way. And, uh, in every case, it's about being more PC. But when we say PC, we're talking about pollinator conscious. <laughs> uh, back in 2008, when my husband and I became beekeepers because we heard about colony collapse disorder, we were not PC. We didn't know what pollinator consciousness was all about. And so we're on this uh, big learning curve. And so I use myself as an example. My learning curve isn't curved. It's, it's straight up. It's vertical. Uh, so I've been learning all about plants and the relationship between plants and pollinators. And we're seeing that happen in the cities that come on board as part of our network and on the campuses that come on board. Uh, This is something where we can all jump in with both feet, and you do what you can, just like Dana's been talking about, using fewer pesticides, planting more native plants, because uh, in the great monarch example, milkweed is their baby food. A monarch mama will not lay an egg on anything but a milkweed plant. Uh, Then they grow up, and they need nectar from all sorts of flowers. But... um, that's just one example. If we had more time, I could give you lots of examples. And so that's Where what we people need to do go for more information. Well, certainly to bcityusa dot org. Right. Um, other great places are uh, xerces dot org for the Xerces Society, and that's spelled X E R C E
2: S. It's a very sort of informative site about all the different pollinators. That's right. And then the. Carl, what was your what was the website for the honeybee research?
3: It's honeybee research dot org.
2: research dot org. You know, people can come out and learn more information about the different types of honeys and the importance of the honeybee and also to support all of the sort of ticket sales go to the center for honeybee research um there is going to be honey tasting there's also a vip event um, where people can participate in the people's choice judging um but everybody can come out taste honey you know, there's going to be a silent auction with lots of great prizes. There's going to be, um, you know, different information and entertainment, and you can buy a ticket at honeybeeresearch.org And it is at the Renaissance hotel, which I love so much on the international day of discovery. So we kind of started this conversation today. You can come to this event and learn more. Um, And, you know, see the bees on the roof of the Renaissance Hotel and also start to just engage in that bee community, because that's the biggest part of the Climate Listening Project that I always try to talk about is find your group. You know, if you love bees, if you love pollinators, this might be where you can fit into that conversation and make your contribution to climate solutions. Well, I can't thank you enough. I just uh, I'm
1: just grinning here from ear to ear, because learning and knowing how we can become a part of this movement and to help. And I also want to just kind of shout out to the Renaissance Hotel for being the first hotel in downtown Asheville to support urban beekeeping and contribute to creating sustainable habitats for these pollinators. I'd like to see more of that happening too. Yeah. So thank you yes. for all your contribu- con- contributions to what you're doing and helping our sustainability. And Dana, throw out your website real quick to climatelisteningproject.org. Well, thank you all. And it's, being a pleasure having you on my show i hope that as you go out um for your week ahead that you pay attention to the bees look around you know plant some milkweed in your backyard think about what we can all do to help these pollinators across the board and remember don't postpone joy.